Let's pray, shall we, as we come to think about God's word together. God in heaven, our hearts ought to be filled with thankfulness. Uh, We pray that they will be. We pray that we uh, listen with thankfulness uh, to you because you're a God who speaks and we have your word for us here. Uh, So please help us now, we ask. Amen. Well, as Andrew said, this morning we're going to start, we're starting to look at a book of the Bible called 1 John, um, a letter written by John, who was a disciple of Jesus. He writes it right at the end of his life when he's very old. And uh, as I sat down to prepare this and to think about it, um, I picked up a book that someone had written about 1 John about 60 years ago. And in that book, it said this, said the mid 20th century, 60 years ago, is an epoch of fundamental insecurity. Everything is changing Nothing is stable. And I read that and thought, you could say the same thing about 2021, couldn't you? Fundamental insecurity, deep uncertainty. And you know what? The more I've read 1 John, it seems that actually things were pretty much the same 1900 years ago. John wrote to a group of churches who were confused. They're confused by half-truths and mistruths and deceptions. There is deep uncertainty. There was a crisis that John was writing to that in many ways hasn't really gone away. A lot of the issues have changed, but that unsettledness remains. And into that uncertainty, John writes. And why does he write? Well, very helpfully, he tells us at the end of his letter, he tells us this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. And so John writes to these believers, these groups of believers, these churches, because he wants them to be confident. I wonder then about us at Kingfisher. Are we a confident church? Now, what would it mean for us to be a confident church? Well, we're going to be exploring that as we look through 1 John in the coming weeks. Um, but this morning, we're starting where John starts, just his opening few verses. Uh, let's have a look at how he begins. He begins in these first four verses... If you have Bibles open, it will really help you. Uh, with a great declaration that something momentous has happened. In, in verse 1, he kind of builds up to it. And then in verse 2, he tells us what has happened. He says, life appeared. Life appeared. Now, you might think, is that really that impressive that life appeared? Now, if I were to say to you, in my pocket, I've got my hand in my pocket, there is something really, really amazing that I'm going to show to you. It's really, really exciting in my pocket. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? Here it is. Oh, it wasn't that. It was air. Air. Air is wonderful, isn't it? Isn't air really important? It's really, really important that we have air. But it's not new, is it? No, we already know about air. We've already got air. So if I say air appeared, you'd say, all right. Not that impressive, is it? So when John says life appeared, he means that something new appeared, something not like we know it, not the ordinary way that we think about life. And he tells us in these few verses some of the things about this life, things that actually, if if we really get hold of these things, it will mean that when we hear John say life appeared, our hearts will leap with excitement. Let's look. Um, Three things, I think, that are kind of... Lots of things in there. Original and eternal. That's the first thing. John begins, that which was from the beginning. It's really similar to how he started his first book, which was about Jesus' life. His first book, he begins, uh, 
So this one, in that which was from the beginning, yeah, John's gospel, in the beginning was the word, and echoing Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God. Now John loves to tell us about things right from the beginning, right from the start, something there when everything else began, something that, that sits kind of above and beyond all of creation's temporal boundaries. Life that is, this life appeared is original life. And in verse 2, then, John calls it eternal life. This is more than anything we can possibly know in the ordinary. Everything that we know wears out and ends, including us. Now, everything that we call life is not really life. It's just death delayed. But John says, I'm going to tell you about life that is original. It's the, it's the source of all existence. And this life is eternal it doesn't wear out and it doesn't end. It is original and it's eternal. A second thing he tells us about this life. <clears throat> it is known. Um, I wonder if I can have a volunteer of the kind of younger group. Anybody want to help me out? It's not difficult. Oliver, are you going to help me? Brilliant. Thanks, Oliver. Right, Oliver. Brilliant. Oliver, what I want you to do, I've got a box here. Yeah. Inside this box is something... I don't want you to show it to anybody, but I want you to have a little look about it and then tell us about it, okay? So you ha have a look. You can use your eyes. You can use your hands to touch it. Can you see it? Yeah. yeah? Do you want to touch it? Brilliant. Do you want to tell us about it? It's metal, yeah? Anything else? You don't know what shape is it? You don't know what shape it is? How many prongs has it got on it? Two. Two prongs, great. What colour is it? Metal and shiny. Metal and shiny. Brilliant. Thank you, Oliver. You can go and sit down. That was wonderfully, wonderfully helpful. Um, we, we don't know what is in the box, but Oliver saw it. I think he touched it. Did he touch it? He touched it, and he told us about it. There's a metal thing in there that's got some prongs on it. There you go. Now you know, because Oliver told us. But that's what John says about life here. Do you see that? John says, which we have heard, talking about him and the disciples, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched. This is the life that appeared. And he says, we have seen it and we testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John, this, this life that John talks about isn't just a nice idea. It's not just kind of a made up story. It's something that John heard and saw and touched. This life that was with the Father and came to us. That's what, that's what John says. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Now, right at the beginning of John's gospel, as he writes about the life of Jesus, he writes this. In the beginning was the Word, and in him the Word was life, and that Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us so we could see him and hear him and touch him. God sent his Son, Jesus Christ. And John, the disciples, they, they spent time with him. They heard what he said, they saw what he did, they touched him. And the, the magnificence in that is that the, the original, the eternal life came near. The, 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 the transcendent became proximate. Now that which was above and beyond everything else became near and known. Eternal life appeared. Eternal life. I, I've heard people say that doesn't sound like a very good idea. It doesn't sound very good because life is, is hard at times. 
And it'd be awful if some of the things we call life lasted forever. But, you know, Jesus tells us what eternal life is. When he was praying to the Father, he said this. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is more than enduring life. Eternal life is what actually John is telling us about in the opening to this letter. He tells us this life appeared, it's original, it's eternal, it's known, and it is joy-filled fellowship. You see that John says that? He heard, he saw, he touched, and then he and the other disciples, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. And why did they do it? He said, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship. That's what happens. We, we tell you, and there's fellowship, John says. What is fellowship? Well, it's a bit like this. It's a bit like a giant pizza. Fellowship is like a giant pizza, a group of people who come together and eat a giant pizza. Um, that's pizza fellowship. Uh, fellowship means sharing together in something, participating together in the same thing, joined together in a mutual sharing, like eating a pizza. John's not talking about pizza. Um, John's saying we actually met Jesus in the flesh and we told you about him. And today we can read what John says as we read about it in the gospel, in the the Bibles that we have. John writes about what he heard and he saw and the result is fellowship. Now what John and the first disciples had is shared by everyone who hears and believes the message. And then John says it is fellowship with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. That is a massive thought. That's, that, that's, that's too much for us, I think, probably. Now, now think about this. Um, j- just after our passage, chapter 1, verse 5, it, John writes, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is perfect purity. He's, he's all goodness. There's, there's nothing compromised about God. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing limited. There's nothing bad in God. And we're made to be connected to him. He alone, God alone, is able to hold our hearts happy forever and ever. There's there's nothing else in all the world that can satisfy us other than God. Everything else in life is going to run out and disappoint. But God is light. He is perfect, infinite goodness always. And we're not, as we've already remembered in our service. Fellowshipping with God, in a sense, isn't possible for us because we are not light. We're we're mucky. God is light. But also, John's going to tell us in chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. He's going to say, God sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. He sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our, Our sins that prevent us having fellowship with God. Our sins that cut us off from life, but God sent his son into the world to die for our sins and take away our sins so that we might have life. That's what John saw and heard in Jesus. That's what John's been telling. At the end of the letter again, as he tells us why he's writing, he says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Life. Eternal life is fellowship with God. 
And so John writes at the end of our passage this morning, we write this to make our joy complete. And what is it about this fellowship that makes our joy complete? Fellowship is sharing together in something. Well, this fellowship John writes about is sharing together in God. This fellowship is sharing in the life that God has given, the life that God brings, a a life of sins forgiven and hope infused and uh, lives transformed and comfort and purpose. And, And then it's even more than that. It's sharing in the presence of God himself. It's knowing God the Father as our Father. Knowing Jesus Christ as your closest friend. Knowing the Spirit as your comforter and your helper. Knowing that you are held and you are, and you are loved in the goodness of God forever. That you're, you're, you're plunged into depths of grace and goodness that you will never get to the bottom of. That's the fellowship we have right now. Can you see what John says? He proclaims what he's seen and heard. We have his testimony in our Bibles. And when we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, we are brought into that fellowship. Brought into it with the whole community of believers. Our fellowship is together as we share in the life of God. This is who we are. So we're going to sing about it right now. We can take a seat, take a rest. We are the church. We just sung it, haven't we? That means we share together in the life of God. We are the church. So what? Do you think that we are confident in this? No, it's Kingfisher. No, when we think about ourselves, are we confident in it? We think about us. Who are we? What, what are we? We're not very flashy, are we? Um, to be honest, you know, you kind of walk in. We're not, we're not that much to look at. Sorry. Um, a bit ragged. No, if someone comes in, what would they think? Maybe they think we're a bit out of touch. Um, a bit dull. Well, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that we're pretty messy, broken, sinners, sufferers. We're we're all of that, aren't we? All of it. But that isn't all that we are. We share together in the life of God. That's what we've got in common. Well, what we have in common, what brings us together is not that we like the same things. It's not that we have the same backgrounds. What we have in common is that we have confessed our sins and we believe in Jesus Christ. And we are lavished with the Father's love and we are children of God and we're waiting for our Saviour. We're heading towards that day when we will see him as he is. And in an age of of fundamental insecurity and deep uncertainty, we don't need to be insecure or uncertain about any of this. We have fellowship all together with God. So what? Fellowship isn't just something we have. It's something that because we have it, we're to do it. Let's think about a couple of things to help us to do it. Drawn together to him. Remember the pizza? Pizza fellowship. Sharing together in one pizza. What if we were there with the pizza and we weren't tucking into it? And we stood there with the pizza in front of us and our stomachs are grumbling and we're starving, but we're not eating. Why would we not do that? Why would we not eat? What would hold us back? You don't like pizza, yeah? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Um, or, or, you know, you, you might not think this pizza's any good. You might not like this one. You, or or you, you might think this pizza's not good for you. It, it might give you an upset stomach or something. What would hold us back? Now, isn't it so often our experience 
that when we come to fellowship with God, we do hold back. No, we have it, but we don't practice it. It's so easy, isn't it, to go through a day without thinking about God at all. Now, why is that? So easy, isn't it, to to start to pray, and then after a couple of minutes, we just run out of steam, and we wish we were doing something else. Why is that? And and of course, our fellowship with God is together. So so there's a time in the week where we, we come together, we gather together as the people of God. So do we go through the week aching for Sunday to come? We can't go to sleep on a Saturday night because it's Sunday tomorrow. No, we don't do that, do we? And, and, and might it be, might it be that because deep, deep down, we're, we're a little bit uncertain about what God thinks of us. It's like having the pizza on the table, but we're reluctant to eat because we think it's going to taste bad or it might not agree with us. Are we confident or do we kind of drag our spiritual feet and our hearts get heavy and if we're really honest, we don't think there is any sweetness or tenderness in the heart of God for us. And look at what John writes in verse 2. He writes, The eternal life which was with the Father has appeared to us. Let's just go slowly on that for a moment. Eternal life was with the Father. This eternal life is all of our happiness. Every good that we possibly could ever need is contained in that eternal life, and it's found with God. Of course it's found with God. It's with the Father. It's always in his heart was that life. And then from him, he poured out this life to us. Poured out this life in the sending of his Son. We'll see it later on in in this letter in 1 John 4, verse 10. God loved us. And sent his son. The appearing of the son in the world was because of God's love. A life appeared because God the Father had the deepest concern for those who had lost life. A life appeared, it came right out of the the bosom of the Father. Because God the Father is driven in sweet tenderness for you. And all the wondrous work of Christ... His blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins, the power of his resurrected life poured upon us, the, all, all the, the ministry of the Spirit to us in the comforts and the helps that he brings, all of it, all of it springs from the fountain of love in the heart of the Father. All of it. And it says our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We share together in the life of God. It is who we are and we're to put this fellowship into practice. And and one of the ways we put this fellowship into practice is by looking to the Father as love. We look to him as the one whose kindness was loaded towards us right from the beginning of time. We look to him as the one who is eager to accept us because he loved us first. It was his love that found us. It's his love that meets us in the work of the Son. I wonder if you know that this morning. Do you know that God the Father has sweet tenderness towards you? If we can put it like this, we can say that that the mighty divine heart of the Heavenly Father is packed up with care and kindness for you. Do you know that? Eternal life was with him. What we needed more than anything else 
And from him, he has lavishly provided everything we need in the Lord Jesus. The life appeared. And, and the more that we see the Father's love, the more that we will be drawn together to him. And yet, and yet you see, we, we, we share together in the life of God. Think again about that pizza, pizza fellowship. Now, imagine the pizza on the table, the one pizza, a huge pizza, and we're all gathered around it. And, and, and imagine that as we gather around it, nobody else is eating. Everybody is holding back from eating. And, and, and imagine you, you walk into that group and, and you, you, you want to have some pizza, you're hungry for the pizza, but, but you look around you and nobody else is eating it. If everybody else is treating it like that, you're going to hold back, aren't you? You're going to think there's something wrong with the pizza. So, so you see that the more that each of us individually sees the Father as love and we yearn for him and we rest in him and we go to him and we praise him and we enjoy him, the more that each of us does that, tucking into the pizza, the more we encourage those around us to do the same. You see that the more that we see each other Enjoying the Father as love, it helps us to join in the great confidence that our fellowship is with God. We have fellowship all together with God. And fellowship isn't just something we have. It's something that because we have it, we are to do it. We are drawn together to him. And also we are driven together to him. In, in verse 4, John writes... We write this, all these things he writes, and maybe in a sense the whole letter, to make our joy complete. Our joy, since we've all got fellowship together, that the joy that we share, John is aiming at complete joy. It's not very realistic, is it? Complete joy. No, we're not very realistic, realistic because we know so much in life that robs us of joy. Now, life is ragged. We are ragged. A perfect joy. John can write about it, but can we really have it? Now, if we want to put this fellowship into practice, isn't it kind of, it's aiming a bit too high, isn't it, to aim for complete joy? It feels a bit futile. And yet, and yet I wonder if it's not just the other way around. Imagine there are two doors. Two doors. And, and behind one of these doors um, is, uh, who's that? Miss Trunchbull from... Um, Matilda, uh, Roald Dahl's Matilda, the worst head teacher in all the world, very, very scary and terrible. And also, uh, that's kind of Lord Sauron from Lord of the Rings. He's the, the baddest of all the baddies are there. These, these two are in the same, same kind of scale in my mind. Um, total baddies are behind that door. And then behind the other door, we've got Gandalf and um, Dumbledore and um, Pop Kristoff in there, because he's pretty nice, isn't he? He might not have all the kind of power, but he's pretty kind, isn't he? Everyone wants to hang out with Christoph. He's nice. Right, right, two doors. So imagine the two doors are there. And um, imagine that you are being chased by a horrible monster, running for your life away from this monster. And you run up to these two doors. Which door do you go through? That's not a difficult question. The nice door, yes. You go through a nice door, don't you? Of course you go through the nice door. Now imagine you fall over and you graze your knee and it really hurts. Which door do you go through? You go through the nice door. Now imagine you've had a horrible day and you're feeling really miserable and really grumpy. Which door do you go through? The nice door. In trouble, you don't go to someone who's mean and cruel. 
You rush to someone who you know is strong and kind. And that's a way to practice fellowship with God. We rush to him with every struggle, every complaint. I wonder if we do that. I wonder if we've got confidence. I wonder if our confidence is shown in how eager we are to pray, how eager we are to cast our burdens onto our Heavenly Father. Or I wonder if our slowness to do those things reveals that we're just not sure he is a safe refuge. Now, when a little child falls, they run to their parents. Or when the children of God fall, shouldn't we rush to our Heavenly Father? Now, John says we write this to make our joy complete. That might not seem realistic today, but we can't fault his reasoning. We have fellowship with God. Only God can truly satisfy. At the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. God has promised there will come a day when sorrow and sighing will flee away. There will come a day when he will wipe away the tear from every eye. There will come a day, Jesus has promised, there will come a day when your grief will turn to joy. Fellowship with God is the only route to perfect joy. The fullness of joy can only be found in the presence of God. So shouldn't we always go to him? And if we lack joy, which we do, and if our joy wanes, which it will, just stick around. Stay with it. Now this fellowship together with God, it's the path, it's the only path, it's the only route to fullness of joy. Let's not look anywhere else. Now every other path is going gonna, is gonna to run off a cliff and it's going to end in nothing. But this is the path, fellowship with God the Father and the Son. This is the way. Stick with it. Stick around with it. Now let all the troubles of life drive us into deeper fellowship with him. Because, you know, in this world, stuff's going to go wrong. In in this world, we're going to be perhaps at times hated and mistreated. Maybe some of you know that right now. Well, let's go together to the place where we can be sure that we are accepted and loved. In in this world, we will come across hard things. Maybe some of you feel that right now. Well, let's go together to the one who is always tender towards us. Now, we might be dismissed and rejected in this world. So what? No, we, we might be nothing and nobody's in this world. And let's go together to the God of glory who calls us his children, whose kindness and love is better than life itself. That's our confidence. We have fellowship with him and he will hold us fast. Stick around. The joy will be complete.